Spring training baseball is here. We have got two games to go over. We're missing the third one, unfortunately, but we got two games to go over. Francisco Alvarez, Tyler McGill's throwing new pitches. Jose Budo's got a slider that is literally sex. We can't wait to talk about it. And this episode, of course, is brought to you by Aura. Today's episode is sponsored by Aura. Are you tired of receiving spam phone calls to the point where you don't even want to answer your phone anymore? That's because data brokers sell your information to scammers and spammers and anybody else who may want to target you. That's right. Your full name, your home address, your health records, it's all out there. That's why we've been using Aura. Aura shows you which data brokers are selling your information and automatically submits opt-out requests on your behalf. Not only does this stop scammers and hackers from getting and using your information, but also protects you from them using that information to get into your social media accounts or bank accounts too. Aura is always on duty, looking to keep you safe so you can focus on anything else you need to focus on with peace of mind. So stop data brokers from exposing your personal information to that and visit our sponsor at aura.com backslash metstuff. That's aura.com backslash Mets up to get a 14-day free trial and see how much of your data is being sold. We value privacy here in the Mets Up podcast, and there's no better way to ensure your safety online than by using Aura. Thank you, Aura, for sponsoring today's episode. Mets fans, welcome back to another episode of the Mets the Podcast. Your boys got a sponsor now. We're looking all professional. We're ready to rock and roll. We got baseball back. There's so many things to talk about. This is it. The nitty gritty, the minutia that you love from the Mets the Podcast. James going to be talking about all these pitches. Me on the hitting side. A lot of things to go over here. And James, how you feeling, dude? What's going on? Haven't haven't seen you honestly in a while. No, a long weekend for me. Crazy couple of days for me. When we got you guys that Kodai Sang emergency episode, I was quite literally skiing for the first time in my life. So I was probably a little concussed when I was giving you guys that information, but I, le- I left the mountain to record that. Looked like a lunatic in the parking lot <laughs> of um, Hunter, the Hunter, Hunter Mountain uh, Ski Lodge. Over there. People were like, what is this guy doing? He's like, influ- it's like a bad influencer in the wild. And then Saturday, crazy, crazy life stuff. Everyone just start clicking the 15 seconds. If you don't want to hear us talk about our personal lives for the next 45 seconds, but went to a ball. First ball I've ever been to. Black tie formal, white tie optional. I, I was eating steak and ahi tuna, and drinking <laughs> champagne. The ball went till four o'clock in the morning. I was tired. I left at three. It was it was an event. Couldn't hang with the aristocrats. That's a that's a first. I think that James going home early and the the rich people are hanging around. It wasn't even that. It's just that like it, everything was free to me, so I was just drinking the expensive champagne, which is not like good to drink over and over again. It makes you kind yeah. of feel like shit. And then even after we had like dinner and everything, while they were like doing the the ballroom dancing and the, and the giving out of honors, I was I, I was I was drunk hanging out with the U.S. ambassador to Germany. I didn't even know it. I was talking. <laughs> no to the, she way. Was, she was dancing and singing to Bruno Mars. Afterwards, <laughs> afterwards there was like a pamphlet that had like headshots. I was like, that is the ambassador to Germany. Like we were we were drunk with her at the end of the night. But yeah, it's crazy. It was, there was a baron and a baroness there, um, and they just had so much food at the after party. I was just eating goulash left and right. It was one of the best soups I've ever had in my life, truthfully. They had a big cauldron of goulash. I was just, I was just goulash and champagne out. I had to, I had to go home. Goulash and champagne is like that's kind of a sick like album name. If you ever like make do something music, goulash and champagne. I that's an accidental action, Bronson. Oh, 100%. Yeah, a little bit different than my Saturday, I would say, of like eight straight hours of drinking Coors and Miller Lite, uh, light beers, playing some shuffleboard, which was can't ever beat shuffleboard, greatest bar game that's been ever invented, and uh, playing a little hoops at the, at the whiskey out in Brooklyn. So I had a good time. Shout out, Christy. Happy birthday, Christy. It was her birthday uh, event extravaganza. We had a good time. So let's get to baseball here. A little bit of housekeeping as well for you guys. 
we are planning on pumping out a lot of content over like the next month, basically until the season starts. So there are going to be some episodes, not this one, that are going to be a little bit shorter, where we're a little bit more focused on one player or one topic only. Uh, something that you kind of saw when we started rolling out the podcast on our own again, like we did with the Pete Alonzo trade episode. So keep an eye out for those. We need to pump the numbers, honestly. Like, this is just how it is. As the season gets going, we know how the algorithm works. You put out more episodes, you get more downloads, you get higher up in the rankings, you get recommended more. And to be honest, like, again, this is our job. This is how we're going to be making money here. Uh, so we want to keep pumping out videos on YouTube as well. And it's good content. You guys will still enjoy the content. We do appreciate all of you that watch all of it. But we promise that whatever these shorter clips are, it's not going to be recycled content. It will all be brand new content. We're still going to be giving you one to two episodes during the week with all the spring training games that are going on. And I think as we get deeper and deeper with more games and more action from the regulars, we'll be talking about them more, but just expect some more content coming out over the next few weeks here as we lead up to spring training. Anything I missed there, James? And we're talking to some more people, trying to get some more guests uh, in like mm. the Mets fear. Tim Healy, we're pretty sure we're going to have him on this week. He's had some great, he's on a heater. I DM'd him because I'm like, he's, Tim's, Tim's <laughs> our guy, first of all. Like he's he's just a good beat reporter and he's he's been blazing hot. He had the Beltron scoop first. He had the Christian, crazy Christian Scott sco scoop about him changing his pitch mix. We're going to talk about it in a little bit, but he's he's been awesome. He's friend of the pod. He's going to come on. I think Wednesday nights are probably for you guys for the Thursday morning episode. Yeah, definitely. So uh, a lot of good content coming at you. But that's not what you're here to listen about. You're here to listen to us talk about what just happened this weekend. A couple uh, spring training opener for the Mets game one up against the Cardinals. Tyler McGill on the mound uh, and honestly looked pretty good. I know that he technically gave up some runs here and there, but from the eye test, at least from what we were watching, I thought he looked pretty solid and didn't help that. I think it was Ramon De Jesus who was behind the plate was like literally sleeping. There was pitches that were down the middle that Ron was like, I know it's spring training, man, but you got to like wake up. I think the Jesus also punched somebody out in a two strike on like a one strike. Yes, pitch. he did. Yeah. Luke and Baker, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just it was nice on Saturday just to have Mets baseball happening. Like yeah. seeing Gary Keith and Ron were amazing. I did a few innings with Howie and Keith Rad where I was just I had to take a walk around some errands because I got to do some ball stuff, I had to pick up my tux. But um it was just it was just it, it feels it feels so nice. Every time it was also like a really nice sunny day in New York. So it was nice. like almost fifty degrees. So I was like the, the end of the winter, things happening. What what an offseason it's been for us specifically. So to actually get back to there being baseball on, it kind of makes everything feel feel nice, normal, and natural again. And there was a lot of cool stuff for McGill. Apologies to you guys, hand up. I misidentified a pitch on Twitter. Me too, me too. Yeah, and so did Howie Rose. That's kind of where I got it from because I wasn't watching at that point. I was listening, and he was like, oh, there's there's McGill's new forkball. So I was like, all right, tweet, tweet, tweet. And it got good engagement, so I'm, not, I'm just not going to delete it. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not never taking it back. Not a dime back. Uh, Jim Calhoun, UConn, but the pitch did come out a few times and it's going to be Tyler McGill's fork ball, which he's calling. It's very funnily the American spork to play off Kodai's ghost fork. And we only saw it three times. Only one of them was in the strike zone on Saturday, but Jordan Walker said like that pitch looked pretty nasty. Like I thought it was a fastball, but it was just, it was so far out of the plate. He didn't swing, but it was about 83 to 86 miles an hour with a lot of drop and like a tiny bit of fade, which is good because he throws the tight gyro slider, which is the pitch I thought was the fork ball, but he throws it like 90, which fork balls aren't 90, which is just me being stupid and trying to get a tweet out. So instead of thinking, I tweet, hand up, but hand up, hand up, not a dime back, not a dime back. But the gyro slider moves like a tiny bit to his glove side, but it's a tight gyro slider. So it just like kind of falls over itself and moves a little. The fork ball is going to move a little bit to the arm side with a little bit of fade, but mostly it's going to have drop. And the whole point of this is that it looks like the fastball where yeah. Jeremy Hefner has been talking well about it. Jordan Walker said it looked nice. Tyler McGill said he wanted to throw it more, but he just found himself behind in the count a lot, which is kind of has been a problem with McGill in the past. But 
I do like the first start of the spring that McGill had good shape on his fastball. The velo was really good. And I'm, I'm ex- excited about him being not, I, he's not an ace guy. He's not going to be an ace. It's no. uh, 20, 2021 is over. He's not the next Jacob deGrom. Anyone who says that is should, should lose their credential, but he just, <laughs> he's not, he's, he might be a good pitcher though. And having a new weapon is going to be good. Yeah. I, I, again, from the eye test, cause I'm not looking into the savant numbers, the spin, any of that kind of stuff right now. I'm just, I'm just watching baseball, happy to be watching some games. And like you said, that fastball, that was one of the things I told you off air. I was like, his fastball looked pretty good. And you were like, yeah, the shape was better than it had been in a while. So for me, seeing that from Tyler McGill, first star spring training, again, everything with a grain of salt. Like it's, it's so relatively unimportant while also still mattering, which is kind of weird. That's like the weird, like, I guess paradox of spring training is nothing matters, but everything matters at the same time. And just being able to get out there and see him with that fastball with some life, working on that splitter, like the slider was pretty tight. All good stuff going forward for Tyler. Yeah, spring training is funny because I feel like like five years ago in baseball, we were like, nothing matters at all. Like spring training is just sun and gloves and just relaxing. Yeah. But now like Twitter this weekend was blazing with blazing. every single thing was like baseball this, baseball that, this pitch, this velocity, this shape, like this, this exit velocity, where I think it is important to kind of spread like what matters spring training and what doesn't like, we'll probably never talk about the players like counting stats in spring training, like yeah. home runs, batting average, RBIs, like all that stuff is stupid. I think that's what people used to care about, but there are little tweaks and things like this where a new, a fastball shape, velocity, new pitches, eg- exit velocity at the top end. Once we get like a week or two into spring training, seeing if guys like chase rates or walk rates or, or zone swing rates or strikeout rates are drastically different. This was my example for you last year. I tweeted about this weekend too, where, I think it was like March 12th last year. Right? I told you like Cody Bellinger's back. Yes. And you were like, you were like, shut your mouth. Like, there's no way he's back. And I was like, dude, it's been like 30 spring training at bats. I think he has two strikeouts. Like this is, this is markedly different. And when you, there are things that like will matter in a small sample size. And those kind of per pitch things will matter in a small sample size. All the things like new pitches, also things like a fastball shape, because we're kind of expecting guys where as spring training and the season gets going, like your arm is going to get stronger. Like pitchers yeah. are throwing their hardest in the summer months, like June, July. When you're warm, it's warm outside, like you're finally in like real pitching shape and you're good to go. So but then that works in the other way because when these spring training starts, why you can never really take velocity that seriously. It's these guys are mostly only throwing one, two, three innings at a time, even for the starting pitchers. So a guy like Tyler McGill or Jose Budo is going out there with just gas him up, just let it loose, like have like throw the pitch. So when he we have this fastball shape from Tyler McGill, which from MJD analysis, Mikey on Twitter, good could uh, follow for minor league college baseball data, especially hey, props to you as well for having the shout out ready. Cause normally it's like I, some guy on Twitter, I can't remember his name right now, but you had it. You were ready to go. Tabs open. I'm ready to go. I mean, we're, we're podcasting. You got to give credit where it's due. And also TJ stats. If anybody really wants to dive into pitching stuff, he's just had little stuff plus for every single guy in the league. He's, I don't know where he's getting this data, but he's really good at getting this data. But like the 16 inches of vertical break for Tyler McGill as like, as like as low, it's like nice, very low. I'm looking my YouTube people looking at it right now, very low release height for where Tyler McGill's throwing it. Very shallow release height. Fastball gets on you. And that was one of the best shapes he's ever had, but maybe that's just because he knows he's throwing a little lighter. So something to watch for more starts, but nice to see Tyler McGill throwing hard with good shape. One more thing about Tyler McGill uh, on the field. Did you notice, um, do you know anything about, the jerseys that, that that he was wearing? Yeah, I did notice the jersey. The jersey is abysmal, an abomination. Yeah, the, the jerseys are horrendous. I don't know how or why or what the reasoning was behind the changes. Look past the see-through pants, whatever. The see-through pants are... I've seen more dick and balls on my timeline <laughs> than I ever expected in my lifetime. Like, just so... The pants, you could just see them. You could just see them on everybody. It's unfortunate for me, but the jerseys themselves, as a jersey connoisseur, as a jersey fanatic... 
I will not be spending a dime this year on a jersey because for some reason they made the numbers smaller, but not only the numbers, they're like, what if we take the name and shrink it and arch it for absolutely no reason? And for a guy like Tyler McGill, who's what, like 6'5", like he's a massive human being, and he has six letters in his last name, for them to be as small as possible, you can't even really see the name, which is crazy. Like even Brett Beatty's with the four letters looked, I mean, like laugh out loud, funny. You could see that Major League Baseball really wanted to save money on printing because every player across the league's leathers are the same size. Yeah. And you look at a guy like Sawyer Gibson Long on the Tigers, and it's a name that like wraps fully around his jersey. And there was another guy who went viral on the Rangers. I can't remember his name. They're fully wrapped around the jersey. Yes. And you could see the difference in the leathers. I, I noticed it so badly in Alvarez's home run, too, where he's trotting around, he turns around, and it's like, oh, why'd you do that? And then it's funny. The Royals actually went out in the old jerseys. Cole Reagans, who was electric at spring training, he had the big, beautiful leathers in the back of his jerseys. People are like, are these the old jerseys? And no one responded to it, but very clearly to the eye test, it was the old jersey. So it's kind of funny, like this push and pull right now between the players and the league and like content creators like us, where it's like, what, why, why did you guys do this? But it's very obvious. Even Major League Baseball came out and was like, we didn't change them. Yeah. Like, what do you mean, though? The pants. They said we didn't change the pants. Like, what do you mean we didn't change the pants? You guys crazy? There was the gaslighting goes hard. Yeah, there was a picture that went viral of I think it was two players on was the White Sox, was the Blue Jays. It was maybe the Mariners. One of the pictures that went viral where you could like see the you could see the parts of the jersey through the pants. Yeah. But then people zoomed in on the uniforms themselves and the piping. And two players standing next to each other on the same team had different embroidery on their sleeves. Where it's like, who could possibly be in charge of this? It's just it sucks to see this happen to the game we love. Yeah, and like the I think the best way or the the way that it really like got magnified for me was watching that game on Saturday because Gary and Ron, of course, were talking about it. And they were like, this is terrible. These look, t- these look awful. Like you work so hard to get your name big and bright, like on the back of that jersey one day when you make it to the majors. Now they like make it look like shit. But they cut from like McGill's jersey and Beatty's jersey to someone who was wearing like, unfortunately, a DeGrom jersey in the in the crowd. The black DeGrom, you're like, wow, damn, they looked so good. Like they looked so good. Now it's like, I- I'm genuinely curious to see what the numbers are going to come out Uh, at the end of the year for like what jersey sales are going to look like because if you spend and the price went up by the way on these jerseys if you spend two hundred dollars on one of these jerseys i'm sorry you're an idiot china's got a great place called dh gate you got to go there you got to visit take a trip to china import it whatever you got to do they're going to be 10 times better don't be mean. Don't call people idiots because now there's not, we've kind of forget sometimes that we're such gremlins that not everybody is like this. Okay, right? fine, fine. So now we're telling people. I take back the idiot. DHgate, back in the day, AliExpress. Like, we're like all Mets up listeners. Let's all get some DHgate jerseys. I have my DHgate Hefner in the uh, in the closet. I'm going to break out again this year. That's, I'm, I'm going to call, I'm, I'm going to call him out. You're an idiot if you've heard this warning and you choose to do it now. That's okay. where I'll go with that. I'll still, there's still stupid people out there and I'll call you out for it. It is just such a shame. It's like every second that every opportunity baseball has, they just try to ruin the sport that we love. And they and it's like the easiest thing, the jersey thing. It was like, you don't need to change these at all. No one's complained. No one's been like, these jerseys are too heavy. These jerseys are are too thick. No one has said that for years because we're not playing in the potato cloth that they used to in the 1920s. They're playing in really good jerseys. And they're like, let's those up, too. It's like when Costanza to brought cotton jerseys to the Yankee front office <laughs> yeah. and, all, and all the uniforms shrunk. But stupid. That was, that was our jersey rant. Uh, that's just got to get back to baseball. But it's so annoying back to, to baseball. watch. All, all year it's going to be like, God, why are they wearing these stupid jerseys? Again, yeah. it's like, it's not worth it. Don't buy these jerseys. We're telling no. you guys. When that's the podcast, if you go to City Field this year, do not go in the team store and buy a jersey. It's just not worth it. Might be a big jersey year for the boys, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But does DHK sell jerseys? Because I still don't want to go to the team store and buy anything. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand not supporting that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, yeah, DHK, DHK season, t shirt season, get some stuff. I it's just Let's get a code from there. 
Yeah, right. I love, <laughs> DHK sponsored this podcast. I love W Electric. But other cool thing that happened this weekend, but we're just gonna go. We're gonna go through this whole thing because we're gonna try and separate what matters spring training, what doesn't matter spring training. Yeah. Francisco Alvarez is gonna matter this whole year, and I'm just yes. I'm so ready for him to be everything. He's the first You're thing. Buzzing. What? You're buzzing about him. You're you're excited about it. You got a little you got a little twinkle in your eyes when you talk about this guy. I mean, we we haven't had a guy come and like from the organization really look like a Pete. Pete is Pete's a star. Pete's everything, but like yeah. it's, it just this just feels a little bit different to me for some reason. Maybe it's because I'm a little anxious and apprehensive about Pete and this whole situation going on. <laughs> I still think he's going to be a Met, but I'm like I need to love something else. On well, I don't know what's going to happen with Pete, but. The first thing Alvarez did in, his, in the all of spring training was there was a pitch that I don't it was Zach Thompson who threw it. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was the Saturday or the Sunday game, but he got a low and outside pitch and he just looked at it in the shadow, like we talked about in the last podcast, spit right on it and got to got to one oh. And I was like, Yes, yes, he did it. And then he took a pitch two inches off the inside of the plate on his fist that he put the other way 101 miles an hour. And I was like, Oh my God. And the next at bat, we told you guys about the nitro zone. We told you guys about Francisco Alvarez nitro zone high and away. I just tweeted out before the episode, 889 slug percentage last year and pitches high and away. It was top 10 in the league for players that had 45 balls in play and pitches high and up in the zone. Home run out in a flash right out. And then rounds the bases. You see the awful jerseys. You're like, damn, okay, something taken away. <laughs> but seeing everything happening from Alvarez, seeing all these interviews he's giving in like very, very good English, yeah. seeing the way he's going and getting along in camp with the other pitchers, the other catchers, the other position players, everything good's happening right now. And he's something that we all Mets fans should be stupidly excited about. We've, we've said it for a, a year now, full year, but even when we met him in Brooklyn, what was one of the things that we said? This guy's going to be a star. Like not even just about like how good he is on the field, but just even the stuff off the field. And again, you can't you can't talk enough about just getting that stamp of approval from Verlander and Scherzer last year. I think was like the thing that sent me over the top was not only is he going to have the ability on the field to be one of the better players on this team and maybe even the best at some point, but off the field, what he does behind the scenes, the things that are a little bit more nuanced, a little more quiet, he's excelling at those as well to have Hall of Fame pitchers who we know are probably not the easiest to work with in, in terms of like, they have specific things that they're going to like. And for them to say that about a 21-year-old who's now 22, just the the expectations for Alvarez. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say that. The expectations. The excitement for Alvarez is through the roof. Because expectation-wise, I think we probably still need to pump the brakes of, like, he's not going to come up and be an MVP this year probably. But, man, the, the excitement with him is just – it's so sick to watch him play. And it's so cool to see there's adjustments that are happening in real time and they're being applied. There was also yep. a good note from a Will Salmon article, Spring Training Notes on The Athletic, about Chavez. We're going to talk about Chavez in a little bit because he is the hitting coach again, not the bench coach. And there's a lot of people making comments about that, specifically who do the Mets broadcast. But they said that there was something very specific that Alvarez tried to work on this year where it was just it was more line drives. His line drive rate was low last year. We've talked a lot in this podcast that line drive rate is kind of a strange stat because it's like, it's a weird line to draw between like a, a slow sinking liner that bounces the back of the dirt and like a fly ball that might be a line drive, but whatever the line drive rate stat that goes out there, Alvarez actually one of the lowest in the whole league because he just hit a lot of towering balls. And that, that comes from the fact that he was really good against these the low, pitches low in the zone. And also the fact that just, I don't know, he just takes, he takes big hacks and the Eric Chavez specifically was talking about him working on backspin on those pitches. And that home mm -hmm. running hit was just, it was heavy backspin that got out in a fast, very sick, like very hard line drive. It wasn't actually in that hard. I think it was under 100 miles an hour exit velocity, but just very quick application of something that was worked on in the offseason applied. Like that is what we talked about last episode. That is what separates Alvarez. The fact that's like he's analyzing things, he's learning things, he's adjusting to them. They're happening quicker than the average player. That's the star potential here. That's what makes him very exciting and special. Totally. And you know what else was interesting from the first game in spring training too? And I, I don't know if this is 
something that is maybe a plan or if this was just we want our our major leaguers to get their bats as quickly as possible so they can go home but dj stewart led off in the first game and not that i think dj stewart's gonna be hitting leadoff because we have brandon nemo one of the best leadoff hitters in all of baseball but the idea that like I'm just gonna say this in the old regime there's not a world where dj stewart's ever leading off but it makes sense for like a guy who gets on base like has the ability to show some power as well i just like that we're thinking progressively rather than being like oh dj stewart that guy's got to hit four today in this meaningless spring training game i think also part of that might just be because first there where dj stewart has great on base ability and two it's also that it seems like so far this spring training it's like like we've been talking about for a very long time it's lindor two pete three thank which God. is the way the lineup always should be and just, I think just keeping that static, so putting the next guy in leadoff where it's like maybe mm. he's never going to lead off like in the season or even if something were to happen to Brandon Nimmo, but it's just like keeping keeping the guys who are supposed to be in the same spots in the lineup in the same spots of the lineup. And we did get a note on Brandon Nimmo from the SNY broadcast talking about how he wasn't playing and basically he's not expecting to play for like at least another week, maybe even two, that he loved like how he started spring training late last year and he thought that was a reason why he was able to stay healthy throughout the year, why he was able to get in the shape that he needed to. So he is consciously choosing to start spring training late. There's no worries. There's no issues right now. He was just like, do I need to play on February 25th? No. Do you want me to play on August 1st? Yes. So it's, I, I like that he's getting his, I don't even want to say priority straight because I don't think they ever weren't, but I like that he's thinking about the big picture of like, yeah, this doesn't matter. You know what matters if I'm here in October. So good for Brandon Nimmo. Sterling Marte, I think, is also expected to start playing next week, they were saying. So that was another thing too. Slow rollout for these guys who have, for lack of a better term, soft muscles or yeah, tight just, muscles. It, it's totally fine. Like it's February. It's still February. It's a long way yeah. to go. We have a full month before we're even playing a game like this. Simon Spring. Very much relaxing. No, I mean, today we're poking against 50 in New York again today, but it's just a lot of relax, a lot of relax. Something else very interesting that happened over the weekend. Jose Budo pitched. And yes. we're, a, we're a big Jose Budo podcast. He was on the mound on Sunday, and there was some video of this. And Jose Budo was, first of all, he was gassing his fastball high in the zone, which is great. We love that from Budo last year. But he debuted a fully new slider, which I think is something that's very exciting because Budo's slider last year was his best pitch, but it was a tight slider. It was only it was it didn't move very much basically. It was more of a gyro, like we're talking about before, where it moved much more vertically and did horizontally. But this pitch was moving more than twice as much horizontally and more vertically on Sunday. And it was also he was throwing it about two miles an hour less hard. But maybe that's just him being warm. I don't know. If that pitch can get to 86, it had 40 inches of vertical break or drop, seven inches of horizontal break, or like the slide that happens with a slider. So it doesn't really move like a full sweeper, like it doesn't have the full sweep across the zone. This feels like, maybe this is weird these days, it just feels like a good old-fashioned slider, Yeah, which I love a good old-fashioned slider. But it, it was a good pitch, and it, hitters were kind of like not, they didn't look that comfortable against it. It was something new. And that pitch with the fastballs high in the zone still throws a great fading changeup. It's, it's a, just like we were saying at the end of last year, there's a true three-pitch mix here with Jose Budo. And Mendoza also talked about after the game that they're going to work him as a starter. But no matter what, like they want him as a multi-handed reliever as well. Nice. Like they're, nice. like they're kind of saying right now what we've been saying all along that Jose Budo is going to be a pitcher who pitches three to six innings, somewhere between 40 and 75 pitches, depending on how the day is going, which is like perfect, perfect the way this is happening right now. And we're going to have to get creative because of the Kodai Sanga injury, which we should talk about more at length because we only talked about it um, remotely, me on yeah. my phone in the, in the ski lodge parking lot. But <laughs> it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Mets patch this together without saying it. But I do think that Budo is going to become a glue guy who makes it – he's going to be very important. Oh, totally. And, again, like you said, we're a Budo podcast here. Like, we were we were first to Jose Budo when he was working in the minors. Like, who's this, who's this Budo guy? What's, what's he got going on? And James was doing his deep diving into the pitching stuff. We're like, there might be a little something here. 
the smart people know the Mets the podcast where you can get all the right info on these random pitchers. Budo and spring training and us being excited about him. I mean, it was a year ago when we were at spring training and we saw Budo make that appearance. And we're like, Jose Budo? Yes. Is, is this yes. the Budo year? Is this the season? So we're always going to be pumped about him. I'm glad to hear that the numbers backed up again, what I saw on TV, because on TV, the slider looked nasty, but there's the camera angles like a little bit off centered more than yeah. normal uh, at spring training. So it's a little bit tough to tell if it's actually moving as much as it is. But I love to hear the numbers are backing it up. And it's a guy, again, like you said, with the Senga injury, with, we'll talk about that now, with the expected timeline, he's currently shut down for three weeks, got a PRP injection, right? Is that what it's called? Yes. PRP injection, that's that's like standard stuff. It's just to help with the inflammation, the soreness, and all the muscles and the healing. Shut down for three weeks. Will not pick up a baseball, will not throw. So that takes us to what? Let me pull up my calendar on our on my phone here. So uh, like a soft, like May May 17th. March. No, no, I'm saying March, March, just March. to not even throw. Oh. Yeah, May, March 18th, 17th yeah. is about three weeks from now. And then they said it takes about six weeks normally to get ramped up because you got to think he's going to need a full spring training still to get ready. So yeah. it's about six weeks, which takes us now to one, two, three, four, five, six. That takes us to May 1st, the earliest, earliest that he could possibly even be remotely ready I think conservatively, I'm going to give it a June 1st date. I, I think if we see yeah. Kodai Senga pitch before June, great. But I think that's when we can expect him back is probably around that first week of June. Also, just have to stress patience because this is an injury that, like we said, and I've learned more about, it's it could be, it could be potentially catastrophic. Yeah, like that, depending like, depending how serious yeah. it is. We again, props to the Mets for giving us no information. I love knowing yes. nothing. No. I don't want to hear anything about this. That's perfect. The MRI could be worse than we think, could be better than we think. Everything is up in the air because, again, we don't know. But like you said, the idea is that if it's serious, it could be bad. Yeah, if it's serious, it could be, if it's serious, it could be part of the rotator cuff. I've also just heard now from talking to people. Well, I was talking, I think, to you know, Sarah's mentioned in his podcast that like the anterior capsule is apparently just like very painful. And if that tears, it's like usually people get like the front of the shoulder, which we talked about in the emergency episode. Yeah. But the back Me. of the shoulder is weird, but it's all part of the rotator cuff still. So, yeah, and apparently Nick Pollock again told me it was like part of the trap, too, which he said that is so painful. And he said that just it takes so much longer to heal than you actually really want. But I'm, I, it also is so annoying that there's a legitimate clause in Kodai saying his contract that if there's an elbow injury, like the Mets kind of get protected a little bit, not for shoulder injuries. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool, great, happy about that. But if 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 he pitches on May 15th, like it's we should we should throw a parade. Yeah. If he pitches before June 10th, like we should be very excited. But I just like, this just seems like the kind of thing that really needs time because if it pops, it could be so bad. Totally. And like filling in that spot again, a guy like Budo, I'm not saying fills in for Senga, but fills in that theoretical hole in that rotation. Now, who's that fifth starter? Who's going to be that guy who can give us innings? Who's going to be able to, I think you're going to see very much patchwork. Like I don't think they're going after Jordan Montgomery, who I know is still available, but unless he wants like what one year, 20 million, I don't think that two, the Mets would even 50. Yeah, and even two for 50, I'm going to – I don't feel great about that. I don't feel great about giving Montgomery two for 50. I'd rather just see what we have at this point because I don't know how much he really moves the needle besides, like, the consistency of being out there. But we know that that's also fake too because you could just wake up one morning and you're like, oh, my elbow hurts. <laughs> no, totally. And I, a couple more notes about Budo too before we just, like, 
move on a little bit here. He was also through the same amount of sinkers and fastballs, which was something he didn't really do very much last year. He almost like alternated their usage between minor leagues and major leagues, depending on start. But he was throwing both of them very hard, harder than last year. He was up a tick across the board. Also because he only threw two innings, but it's just like seeing him in like already this warm, like getting to 96 is like, that's pretty cool. And throwing a cutter that he wasn't throwing. Very, he didn't throw it all last year in the major leagues, but there were some in the minor leagues. And that with the slide, the change up the fastball, that's five real pitches. That's a guy who's trying to be a starting pitcher. That's a guy who also now has weapons against hitters from both sides of the plate. When he was mostly this fastball changeup guy, and we were like, he's probably just late inning reliever. Like, it's really, that just wasn't a really good mix against righties, really, or lefties, just to have those two pitches. But now that he has the cutter, the changeup to go along with the slider and the fastball with the sinker, it's like you you have ways to get guys from both sides of the plate out. And I think that is going to be really important for Budo if he's going to keep kind of trudging up here as a starter. And I'm imagining that cutter is going to be for the soft contact pitch, kind of like with Kodai last year, where it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to be able to get the strikeout here unless I throw X pitch. You've been spitting on it. Here's the cutter. Put it in play week. The color was also very, very similar to what Baseball Savant called the slider last year. So there's okay. a chance that maybe last year what he was throwing as a slider was actually the cutter. Hmm. And now it's just a totally new slider that maybe he is trying yeah. to make more sweepers. So again, Baseball Savant, also it's spring training for everybody. A lot of their pitch classifications are not going to be great day of. I think last year they had Cole Irvin's uh, miles per hour, like three miles an hour off for like most yeah. of the day. It's still He still wound up throwing like a couple of two ticks harder than he ever has, but it was just like people going crazy on Twitter. It was like, okay, <laughs> they, they had to just adjust, like fix it. But the fact that this, this Budo pitch mix right now, like public information, we just will never have it perfect. But seeing him at least throw five distinct pitches and one pitch that looks completely new, really, really good sign on one of the first days of spring. Yeah. And then in terms of other guys that were pitching on the this weekend that kept keeping an eye out for, Nate Lavender. Yes. Looks pretty good. Struck out the side. Uh, good job on him. Had an electric quote. I, I think you have it pulled up, right, James? Mm-hmm. Uh, where is it? It was on our Twitter. I'll grab it right now. Yeah, but, but he looked really good. He's just like a crafty little lefty. He doesn't throw gas. The stuff isn't like insane. Like you're not watching Nate Lavender being like, damn, dude, this is this is Josh Hader on the mound. But like he gets the job done. He's always had pretty good results. Yeah, this quote from Nate Lavender was amazing. If you throw 92 with a little doubt in there, it's probably going to get hit pretty hard. If you throw 92 with some grit and some intention behind it, you're going to be all right. I like Love it. that dog mentality, but also a big part of that, that I think Lavender's underselling is the fact that he's just he's long. His the way he extends the home plate, especially with his four seam fastball, that again it has decent life but doesn't have good velocity. That pitch comes on, guys. I think that's where Nate Lavender really succeeds. And seeing the way that his strikeout rates have just been through the minor leagues is kind of like why. There, there probably is something here. I know Stuff Plus doesn't love him because we have AAA Stuff Plus from last year, but it doesn't even say he's that bad. And Stuff Plus does miss, I think, extension and release. I think it's something that's not really in that model. And also, he had good locations, but you can't really argue with the strikeout rates in the minor leagues, which I think is yeah. something that's really relevant. He's a guy who probably can. I think he's a 40 man, correct? Uh, I'll take a look right now. But, I mean, he should be because of his age. I'm assuming he's going to be on the 40-man. I'm pulling it up right here. Good podcasting. Nate Lavender is not on the 40-man. Don't assume. Don't be me. Yeah, don't be that. So, uh, I guess guess there's a lot of interesting guys not on the 40-man. I think we're going to get in because it's my team this year. But a lot of guys on the 40-man who... I don't know. I don't know. Re, re- Garrett, Phil Bickford. I don't know how, how long these guys are going to hang out on this roster. Yeah, but... and my, my guy Josh Walker didn't look good either in this yeah. first appearance. But Grant, he's Grant like, got to tell you, dude loves balking, Josh Walker. <laughs> Someone's got to talk to him about the box. He's, he's balked more than I've ever seen a pitcher do in recent history. No. But Lavender has this crazy extension that makes his arm, like his, his pitches, like, oh, you're wearing the rock and roll sweatshirt? 
Oh, of course, yeah, rock and roll. Metropolitan Ave in Brooklyn. Go ahead, uh, go ahead out there. It's cool. Let's go hang up by the bridge. But extension and deception, having a fastball changeup slider. I love that as a three pitch guy in the bullpen. Good, good strikeout rates in the minor leagues. Like there's, there's a lot to like about Nate Lavender. Again, we're not telling you he's like closer to the future. We're no, not saying he's Josh no. Hader, but we're saying that he's someone who probably could make it to major league level, and you won't want to throw your remote through your television. Yeah, you're not getting uh, and, Trevor Gott. No, and good attitude. This guy seems like a dog. Great which attitude. We love. Cool dude, like it. And yes. honestly, Lav- Nate Lavender—that's a good name. That's a guy. Like, if he wasn't a baseball player, he could be like a great R and B singer. Nate Lavender. Nate Lavender. Yeah. Yeah. Very oh, sensual name. So jazz club last night, and some guy walked in. He was he was being funny. He was talking R and B, and he was just sitting next to me talking. And then he just like walked up and grabbed the microphone and started singing. No way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> Sunday night jazz club in Brooklyn. I guess that's what you get. <laughs> no, it was Manhattan. Shout out Smalls, oh. one of the one of the most like the best like old school jazz clubs in in the city, but. I just, I had, I, <laughs> me, my, my, we had like our clothes, like from the ball still. Yeah. So I was like, let's just get dressed up and do something fun again. So <laughs> we did, you go, jazz- did you guys rip the barcade too? We ended up not ripping the barcade. We just, ah. we just had the jazz club and got some, got some uh, food, but it was, it was very funny to be in a jazz club in a tuxedo. Cause this guy came up to me. He was like, looking good, baby. No, he said, he said, please say, he said, looking sharp, baby. <laughs> and, uh, from, from like an old black man. I was like, yes, I like looking sharp's a good compliment. That's different than looking good. Looking yeah, sharp right. is like, all right, you're killing it. Yeah. Speaking of sharp, we're hearing some really good things about Jorge Lopez uh, from from the team Pro podcaster right, right there. Well really done. Good, good transition. But he hasn't pitched in a game yet. I think he's supposed to on Tuesday for the first time. But again, from the Will Salmon article in spring training notes, apparently team officials looking at Jorge Lopez like, wow, we have we have some juice here. Jose Rosado said he's gross. Say he looks like the guy he was two years ago. It's just people talking, and we we won't see it until we get into a game. But apparently, all the pitches right now for Jorge Lopez, the two seamer, the slide of the curveball, they said everything looks good. And the deep, again, the deep arsenal in the bullpen looks like it could really help him out. Yeah, the K rates, like we said, with the Orioles at the end of the year, were great. He was back to old Jorge Lopez. So if we can just if we can convince him that he's in Baltimore, if we can confuse him that he's he's in Camden Yards, Smart might have might have another All Star reliever on our hands here. He's good. I'm getting like a little too excited about this Mets bullpen. I won't say it too loud. I know. I know. I'm a little too excited. For, for, yeah. uh, Shintaro Fujinami had to go back to Japan and said to deal with a personal matter, which is just visa like, issues. It was visa, visa issues, really. But he was yeah. In, so he was here last year. Apparently, it's good. It's like a real easy thing, but he physically has to go back to Japan to get it fixed, and then he'll be flying back in like a couple of days. In uh, you know, that's that's gotta be a brutal flight to be like. That's I gotta go saying, back yeah. to Japan from Florida. To get my visa fixed, and then I gotta fly back to Florida like all within like a week. Your your time's gotta be fucked up. So even so you, cut Shintaro a little break when he comes back too. You even have to think about like you're either con- connecting back from Florida to New York, or you're just going from Florida to LA and then all the way to Japan. This, either way, it's that those that those are terrible flights. But I probably have to go all the way down to Miami too. Could not fly to or Orlando maybe for Disney World. I bet you Disney's got a direct flight to Japan. <laughs> Good, good for good for Disney if they do, but I, 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 I'd be fun something funny to look up. But cool to see that. Also, again, we haven't seen him yet, but Luis Severino is apparently sitting 96 in live BP. There were some videos going around of guys hitting the ball hard against him. Spring training, everybody. Yeah, don't we care. care. We we care about the way the pitches look right now, and the fact he's sitting 96 already in February. Great sign. Yeah, I, you know what? I'd rather see guys hitting the ball hard than swinging and missing right now. That's what I'm going to yes. say. Pitchers are always ahead. I'm glad to see the hitters hitting the ball hard off of what's going to be a great pitcher for the Mets this year. That just means the hitters are ready. I feel like the hitters got to be ahead of the pitchers, no? Logically. Usually the pitchers are ahead of the hitters because they get that extra week. And, like, a lot of hitting is just timing. So, like, unless you've been putting in, like, immense yeah. work, like, you just got to be like, oh, yeah, Major League Baseball, this is hard. Like, 
I guess it's also kind of like pitchers are probably ahead for these first two weeks. And then I feel like hitters probably storm ahead until like Correct. April. Yeah. And then once it gets to like June, July, then it kind of everything gets evened out. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, listen, that's got a lot of interesting arms coming out here, seeing stuff. We got some good, uh, good notes as well. Like you said, from the article from Tim Healy about Christian Scott as well, which was really cool that apparently he learned how to throw this slider by watching Max Scherzer talk about his slider grip and how he throws it on a pitching ninja video which is really cool because there's now at least two guys on the Mets that have watched Pitching Ninja videos and learned sliders, one being Christian Scott learning it from Max Scherzer, and then the other one was, I believe, Jake Deacon learning it from Pablo Lopez, or did Pablo Lopez learn it from somebody? I think it might be from Pablo Lopez. Regardless, these guys, are they're cerebral. They're learning. They're watching, trying to get better, always tinkering, things you love to see, especially from a young prospect who James is in love with. Yes, massively in love with. I also wonder, like, if last year's spring training, if Christian Scott like comes up to Scherzer, be like, "Hey, thanks for the slider." Max being like, "What?" Being no like, shot. <laughs> no, no, very intimidating, I'm sure. But uh, very cool to see that. Also, just cool that like he's picking up these pitches. One of the best things about Christian Scott, Blake Tidwell, what's going on in the Mets organization right now is that these guys are learning a lot of new pitches and applying them very quickly. Got another note. I think I don't remember. I think I saw it in a fangrass prospect piece, Eric Longenhagen talking about Christian Scott, and then a DM from Joe DeMeo. Shout out Joe DeMeo. He's that's Joe my Joe. guy. But he would say Christian Scott should throw in a sweeper and it's like ready for the games. So Christian Scott now has two different sliders and a split Hell change yeah. and a fastball that has great, great, great shape on it. So that's just another reason why we just we should all be in love with Christian Scott and be very excited for him, especially with the Kota Sanga injury. Like I I think he probably because last year I think he threw like hundred innings total and the year before like 70 or something professionally. So he probably only has 110 innings in his arm this year in general, but I'd be so happy if 70 of those could come in Queens. Oh, my so, God. Sounds like the boys are making a Binghamton trip in April, from what it seems yeah. like. <laughs> Binghamton, Syracuse. I mean, shout out our boy Ross, uh, Binghamton. We got the connection there. But if someone could connect us somebody to Syracuse Mets, we would love, love to talk some of these guys. Yeah, love to talk some ball. Especially because, I mean, the guys are getting some reps, too. Like Gilbert, Acuna, Jet, they all got some reps in the game. Acuna didn't look that good. I'm going to say it quietly. Just whisper it. Didn't look that good. But, again, this is just a, a practice of the name – sometimes can be a detriment. And it feels like right now, the Acuna name that is attached to Luis Angel is given, it gave him a, maybe a little bit too much juice, maybe just a little too much. I'm not saying I'm done with Acuna by any means. Like, wow, we just talked about how spring training doesn't matter. Like, and it does at the same time, whatever. Everybody has a bad day. But there's, there's a little too much juice and it has to do with the name solely. I think it's just... He's just still a prospect that hasn't had the best results in the upper minors. Like it's a lot just, of variance with what you're going to get from him still. And similar to him, where it's similar to Alex Ramirez right now, which is similar to Ryan Mauricio for a long time. Like he has the spot in the 40 man roster just because of how long he's been a professional baseball player because of where he came from the international fridge period. So it's just, he, he has that spot. So it feels like, and it looks like he's like, Oh, maybe he's on the 40 man roster. He can make an impact this year. I think even you, you, I think even you Mark said that out loud, but yeah, I just I think there's a lot more development that he needs to happen, and like that's not that bad of a thing. Just to no. make, yeah, develop more, Some, something else cool, someone who might have shockingly less development because of how quickly he's moving. Jet Williams, classic, drew a walk, stole a bag. Like get yep. used to seeing that one, guys, because he's fucking fast and he's, he's awesome. Love he's Jet. a dog. Jet's Jet's a good ball player. Uh, today, what Acuna and Gilbert, I believe, are starting right in the game that's going on Monday. We just don't have broadcast because the Nationals aren't broadcasting it. And we also don't have Statcast because Nationals, I guess, just don't do that either. So we're just we're not gonna have anything. We're gonna we're gonna see like a one for three. It's gonna be like old school baseball right here. <laughs> one for three and just be like, hope it, hope you hit it hard. Line yeah. driving the books, as they say. I'd love, love, love to see um 
Love to see that. Also, something else happened on Sunday. Alex Ramirez actually got in the game, drew a walk, and he got a hit yeah. on Saturday. That's nice stuff. I'm trying to see the positions these guys were playing. Mark Vientos played some third base on Sunday. He did make an error. He also got a hit. So whatever. Jet Williams came in and played shortstop, which I think is very relevant. And he came in for Alvarez, which is funny. It's right into the two-hole of the lineup, which I love. Also, Tyrone Taylor looks yeah. good. Tyrone Taylor is a good little baseball player. Who I think a lot of Mets fans are going to c- learn to love this year because he just he plays hard, he runs fast, he hits well, he plays defense. Like he does a lot of things that you definitely want from your baseball players. So I think that's going to be a, a fun a fun thing to get along this year. Also, yeah, uh, but- a guy a guy that's lost a lot of prospect shine, Kevin Prado. Nice little, nice little throw behind. Got a guy at first base. Yeah, a little pick. Glad off. to see that. Yeah, of course. So we listen. We always want to see these guys playing well. Just because we don't hype them up right now doesn't mean we won't be happy to hype them up if there's something to hype them up about. And Kevin Prado is definitely a part of that list. And Got to hype up Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty was making some good plays in the field, making made a nice play going to his left with a good throw, made a throw to the plate on a, on a bit of a chopper. Tomas Nito ended up dropping it. But I think we're going to see a lot, especially defensively out of Brett Beatty. That's going to be an improvement uh, this spring training. They've showed a couple clips. Granted, it wasn't fair. They put him next to Francisco Lindor in one of the hardest clips that you can do with this like flat pancake glove, which is basically just yeah. to work on soft hands. So like you see Lindor, and he's just like basically not even thinking about it. Like, Oh, I just smashed my microphone. Ow, that hurt my hand a little bit. But he's like flipping him up to himself, like being all fancy. And Brett's little, little stronger hands than Francisco Lindor's. They play different positions as well. But I love seeing that like just out there grinding those drills, working on it. Feels like this might be more work than we saw put in at any point from the Mets coaching staff last season. So the fact that Brett seems to be very receptive to what has been being taught thus far in spring training. He looked good at third base. The positioning... Oh, the positioning of Brett Beatty at third base was fantastic. They actually figured it out. They're like, hey, you're either in or you're back. We're not going to put you in this no man's land in the middle where you get all these in-between hops and you have to make a split-second decision. Uh, excited to see what he did at the plate. Didn't look great, but again, one game. Who, who gives a shit? Um, I mean, it didn't look great. It was two balls on the ground, but one of them was 105 miles an hour and got through for yeah. a hit. So it was like, that's still what Brett Beatty does. He still has the prodigious power, but... Also, just like this is a good time in spring training to like again like read some tea leaves on what the Mets are thinking about this roster and the fact that TJ Stewart has started two games, one the field, one DH, but again lead off both games. It seems like he's probably a little bit ahead in terms of like one of the totally. races for these last roster spots and maybe getting the lineup a little more than average. Vientos has two hits, hasn't hit the ball hard. One game at third base, main error. One game at DH. Drew Gilbert has only played center field so far. Jet Williams only played shortstop. Luis Angelou just played shortstop and second base. Lots of little again interesting little tea leaves that this is a good time to draw that stuff. 100%. And then you got to talk about the biggest arrival at spring training. Chris Christie. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's nice. Good one. Do you think biggest. he's going to wear the new pants? Yeah. <laughs> For the love of God, please don't let Chris Christie put on the new pants. I know he is. I know he's a ball player, though. I believe he's in the Little League Hall Little of Fame. Wilson. Yeah, I think he was in the yeah. Little League Wilson. I think he was quite the ball player and uh, just a little fun little thing for those of you at home who don't know this. And this is just, you know, digging through the Mets website. If you look at the front office directory, Chris Christie is like the fifth highest listed person in terms of the ownership group as the board of directors. So students are well, well involved in this team. Very well involved. I think his son also works for the team, like amateur scouting, I want to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to command F this, but we do know Andrew. Andrew Christie. He is second under player development. So it goes Andy Green, senior vice president of player development, Andrew Christie, director of player development. So, I mean, whatever you think politics-wise of the guy, you can think that. Who cares? We're not a politics podcast. But if his son can develop players, <laughs> fucking keep him around all day. Keep feeding that man all the food he wants. <laughs> that was mean. Uh, I saw Chris Christie at the Rangers playoff game years ago when he had it was uh it, it's a mean that wound up going viral, but it was at the game I was at where he was dumping M&Ms into a bigger M&Ms. 
<laughs> is that, is is, did I miss this? Where was I? It was year, I think it was like 2012, 2013 around. But that's it was, like uh, one of the greatest clips that could ever exist on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a picture someone took of him having a small M and M's, a big M and M's, and a pour into the big M and M's. But it, it is funny that like when you look at a lot of these team websites, like where pl- people and persons are ranked. And in, in, on the staff director, like there's another guy who was hired this year who probably was instrumental in firing us, Nate uh, Scott Havens. <laughs> and he's, I think, the third person listed under the Mets front office right now. He is the top in terms of senior leadership under business operations. And I'll tell you one thing, we're not baseball operations. So I think, no, uh, but- <laughs> I think Scott Havens might have uh, given us the axe, possibly. And he, was, he was the CEO of Bloomberg Media. So I mean, we, we technically are media. And, uh, yeah, we technically are media. Now, I will say David Stern's obviously top of the baseball operations. But right underneath him, which I thought was super interesting, Carlos Beltran, someone who came back to the organization last year after not ever getting to manage a game, brought him back. He's been hanging around on the field as well a lot and given a lot of instruction, being very involved. I think I know what your opinion is going to be on this, but I absolutely love it. Like a guy who is who is a Hall of Famer. Crazy doesn't get enough votes. This guy should be in the Hall of Fame. One of the best center fielders to ever play. I'm happy to have him hanging around this team as much as he wants. I, I don't think this is even big enough news right now. We plan to talk about this a lot with Tim Healy later this week because he actually broke it, I believe. I don't think anybody had this before and Tim, but he's boots on the ground. Like he can tell yeah. us exactly what he's doing besides the clips that we see on Twitter. And again, from that same Will Salmon article I've cited a few times, like apparently Beltran's been like hanging out like around the guys in the cage and like talking with Chavez as the hitting coach, being like, hey, like work on this, do that. And apparently Chavez says it helps him like light bulbs go off with some drills and just some with some hitting techniques in general. But Beltran's gonna be traveling with the team. Yeah. He's going to be on the plane. He's going to be with his team for the whole year. Like, that's that's massive. He's basically like a floating coach at this point. It's like an ambassador. He, he, he almost, because he's listed also under, um, uh, what's it called? Baseball operations, right? That's what you said? Yeah, he was the, it's David Stearns, Carlos Beltran. He almost now becomes like the souped up quality control coach, where it seems yeah. like there's going to be a direct line between David Stearns, Carlos Beltran, Eric Chavez, and the players on this team. I think I I, I can't believe this isn't this isn't bigger news. Like this should, this is massive. Like this could this this he's going to be in the bench. It's on the bench. It seems like or maybe not on the bench, but just like at the game every day. It also kind of makes sense again more with Carlos Mendoza being a first year major league manager. I have to say major league because he's managed a lot in his life. And yes. like also early returns are good. He's got the goatee going. Happy not yeah. anymore. Him, Severino, and Bader all went beard right away. He's Free freedom, yeah. yeah. Funny to see, but oh, early returns Mendoza are cool. But nice to see a guy like Beltran, who has been in a lot of major league dugouts as well, be around around everything. Just keep beefing up this coaching staff. Have a lot of baseball guys who also like numbers. I was just about to say, I took the words out of my mouth. I'm like, you might see the difference between the coaching and the the staff that's around now. Granted, Chavez and Hefner were there last year, but you've got a lot of baseball guys who are smart not baseball guys who have existed for 40 years because their last name was Cora. Um, so yeah, I'm taking a shot at Joey Cora. I don't care. Whatever. He's not going to listen to this. He, was, he did nothing. He did nothing. He was terrible at third base to as third base coach, but the Mets have a lot of baseball guys that are baseball lifers, but are also like on the front line, the, the, the front edge of like, how can we now take our baseball knowledge and pair and couple that with all the stats and information and analytics to make it even better. And that's, I think, what you see from all the smart teams around the league. It's not just one way or another. It's both collaborating to give you the best product possible. Totally. And Chavez being the hitting coach again, I think is important for that. Like last year with Definitely. the bench coach, seemed the whole, the whole coaching staff seemed like a very weird, not not very comfortable fit last year. But Barnes moving into more of like a, like a player development role as like a hitting coordinator and Chavez being the boots on the ground guy, it just feels like there probably needs to be, like, it's just nice to have an intermediate area between Barnes and the team. And Chavez, they worked that really well in 2022. And I'm excited for him to do that again. Gary and Ron seem to really also be happy about that. They yeah, you heard that? It, 
yeah, definitely in combination of either them not liking Barnes or them not liking Chavez as a bench coach, or also probably liking John Gibbons. I'm sure Keith and Ron, especially, I definitely yeah. have a personal relationship with John Gibbons, but it just seems like this is all a little bit of a better fit now. Yes, totally. And I mean, look at the year that Chavez was the hitting coach. Everybody basically had like career highs. So uh, the hitting coach is important in terms, like you said, of relaying that information, being able to put those that that data behind with the mechanics and, and whatnot. So as long as it's working together, I don't give a shit who's coaching where. Just win baseball games, and that's cool with me. Yeah, cool with me. And also, I think I think that's basically it for us. I'm checking to see if Max Kranich and anything interesting happened the first inning. Yeah, a strikeout, but I don't know. Nice. I don't know anything else because this game's not on TV or on Baseball Savant. So that's all we yeah. got. That's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Remember to follow us on all our social media at Metz Up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to the Metz Up Podcast YouTube channel. Just hit 4,000 subscribers over there. Thank you guys so much. Uh, appreciate the amazing support you've been showing. Remember, we're going to be pumping out content over the next month or so until the regular season starts. So download, subscribe, whatever you do, keep supporting us. It really does help. James, I feel like you got something. Yeah, I mean, also, we also hit 4,000 on Instagram, which is crazy because we were Ooh. totally dormant on Instagram for years, basically. Yeah. We, we didn't really know what to post, what we could post, what we should post. But now we've been like pumping out a lot of TikToks on there, and it's, it's been fun. Even some posts, like posted Pete Alonzo's 162-game average thing has like 700 likes. Hell yeah. Posted, like, I posted like Drew Gilbert stats like, uh, like a couple weeks ago. It had 1,000 likes. I'm, like, I didn't know yeah. posts could get 1,000 likes on Instagram anymore, especially about the Mets. But cool to see your guys' support. And like you guys probably know there's lots of Mets podcasts out there, some new, some old. And it's just, it's really nice that you come back and support this one because Mark yeah. and I are, Mark and I put a lot of effort into this. We love talking to you guys. We love doing this and we're, we're going to keep doing it. We're not going to stop. So all the support's amazing. All of you guys chiming in on Twitter, on Instagram, just also just we're Instagram idiot. Just found out we have a bunch of Instagram DMs. I did not even know about. Oh, so, James. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't get through those. <laughs> going to start getting through those and responding to people like a year late. So apologies to you guys. Just never, I never went through the requests. I've never like been Instagram guys. So we're going to try. Listen, I mean, glad to uh, be back a little bit as the bad boys here, as we've been uh, we've been saying. The bad boys are back now. I mean, like, we just, it's me and James. It's me and James doing it all on our own. So we appreciate any of the support that you guys show because whatever you're seeing is being made by us. There's nobody else involved now. We don't got the fancy cameras anymore. We have no help on the back end of things. So we're grinding it out. We're ready to rock and roll. And uh, hopefully you guys continue to enjoy this content. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. Follow me at Giraffeneck Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll catch you all, I don't know, maybe like in a couple days. Whenever it comes out, you'll see it. Bye. <laughs> see you guys later.